Oy vey. What a week. <laughs> hey, folks, it's Joe Public. Public record. It's Tuesday, and I'm talking about what a week it's been. So there you go. So I'm just, I gotta lighten that mood. And, and I, hope, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're all doing well. And, uh, yeah. I once got thrown out of a car for complaining about this record, so I'll talk about that more later.
dulcet tones of Mickey Thomas and the Jefferson Starship, Jane. Yeah, you know what's funny to me? It's like, okay, so I'm, you can't guess what I'm doing here. No, I'm not just going to like play like AOR classic rock songs for two hours. That That's not the plan. No, I was, I was like listening to stuff over the weekend. I was like I'm having, having a rough patch. I think I've mentioned this. I feel like I've mentioned this every show. Um, yeah, well, suffice to say, uh, stuff at the uh, Public Record HQ here in beautiful California, it's its just difficult. I mean, everybody, everything's difficult right now, right? For everyone. Is there anybody who's having an easy go of it? Because if, if, if there is, I'd like to know who. Um, I, mean, I mean, maybe the CEO of Zoom... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's got to feel weird, right? Like y- you want your company to be successful, but maybe not under the circumstances in, in which it it is, right? Like that just sucks. Anyway, so uh, blah blah blah. Rough weekend. Um, and I was like trying to cheer myself up, and sort of like like scrolling through my playlists on title. By the way, I've abandoned Spotify. Uh, you know, maybe we can discuss this if if you care. You can come in the chat, www.radionote.nope.com and come in the chat and ask me why I've abandoned Spotify, and I'll tell you. Um, and it's like I'm I'm using Tidal, which makes me feel really weird because I am positive the people who run Tidal do not expect me to be somebody who's using their service. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm scrolling around. And I'm like just looking for stuff. Um, I kind of like their system and how you find things. And I, and I I realized I was listening to songs that I would have mocked myself for listening to uh, a younger version of me. Um, and and so thus you get Jefferson Starship with uh, with Jane, which I I love that song. It rocks so hard. And you think how did the band that made that also make we built this city? Um, one answer is it's not really the same band, but the other part of it is is a long story of the horrors of the record industry in the 1980s and the, and the early 90s. But but yeah, that that song Jane was like 1979, I think 1980 is that's a killer song. Sorry, I'm I'm not going to apologize. It's a killer song. And before that, Night Ranger, you can still rock in America because you can still rock in America all day, all night. Uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. And so I, I mentioned at the, at the intro that, uh, this, the track I played to start with Boston's, uh, foreplay long time, actually not that specific song, but that album, uh, got me kicked out of a car when I was like 14 or 15 years old. Um, I, I have these friends who used to make movies every summer and, uh, I was a, it was the after the I guess fifteen my fresh had finished my freshman year of high school and they invited me to be a part of one of the movies and we were shooting out in um, Livermore California which at the time was basically just fields um, we'd gone out to this horse ranch to rent a horse because we had it it was a sword and sorcery epic that we were filming and uh, the scene called for. Uh, people to chase me on horseback. I was running, 
and they were supposed to chase me on horseback. Uh, the horses they rented, it turned out, did not run. <laughs> so there was some creative editing done to make it look like they, they were chasing me at high speed. But anyway, we finished shooting for the day, and we're all like piled into my friend Craig's car, um, and we're driving back to Alameda from Livermore, which at the time, like, I, I swear, when I was 15 years old, I, I felt like we might as well have been in Dallas for as far as we drove. Um, and then we, we get, we get like down, down the highway, we're down this like, you know, uh, county highway leading to the main highway. And, uh, Craig puts the eight track tape of the first Boston, Boston debut album in and, and I scoffed and said, don't you hear this enough on the radio? And screech! Two other guys push me out of the car, door slams, they drive off. And I thought, okay, fair enough, fair enough, they'll be back. They did not come back. Um, so I had an interesting journey to get back home that involved a very angry stepfather. Um, yeah. So I can't actually ever hear anything by Boston and not think about that incident, but I still, I love that song. That song is great. Um, there's a clip of Boston playing live. Uh, you can find on YouTube of them playing in 1979, I think 78 or 79 at um, Nassau uh, Stadium in New York. Um, big outdoor, like day on the green type festival in a big, football stadium deal and um the the execution on that song blows me away to this day on that live clip i just think like my goodness no wonder they were so popular you know because it's 78 79 most bands are going on stage half in the bag um and sloppily meandering their way through their songs um and, and meanwhile, Boston comes out and just executes note-perfect killer versions of all their stuff. And yeah, so that's why they were popular. That's why they they slayed, as the as the kids, some kids say. Anyway, so what am I doing? Um, these are songs I like in spite of the fact that I'm not supposed to like them. Some folks would call this guilty pleasures. I don't agree with the notion of guilty pleasures. I feel no guilt about liking any of these songs. I like them. Um, but I would have been ashamed of... A younger version of me would have been ashamed. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So here we go. Uh, this is Ring My Bell. Oop. That's what I get for... Uh, <laughs> trying to be clever. There we go. Was talking too much, didn't move the slider. There we go. Here we go. Ring my bell.
so there's this this whole school of um, a particular type of pop song, a whole class that tragedy I just played by the Bee Gees fits into, which are these absurdly melodramatic kind of teen heartbreak songs. Um, the lyrics are just insane in that song, and that's why I find it so compelling. Uh, tragedy, when the feeling's gone and you can't go on, it's tragedy. It's when no one, there's no one to love you, you're going nowhere. It's it's so incredibly bleak. It's It's like, it's off the charts. If on a scale of one to ten, for bleak and overly dramatic... Um, the lyrics to tragedy are a 20. They're just, they're all the way beyond the red. The dial has broken. It's gone slam break, <laughs> which is why I love that song. I, I just, plus it's got that cool, like Giorgio Moroder thing going on in there. And you know, you gotta love, gotta love that. Before that, uh, I cheated Casey and the sunshine band. I'm your boogeyman. I, I've actually openly loved that song since I was 10. I think like in, I I was at a party one time in high school and I realized somebody had Casey and the Sunshine Band's greatest hits. Like their parents had it. They didn't really have it. Their parents had it. And I, I was famous at parties for monopolizing a turntable. Like, gee, how odd. Somebody who became a DJ later in life when they were in high school was fond of monopolizing turntables. Um, but anyway, I saw that they had the record and I insisted on putting it on. And in spite of themselves, like 30 high school kids who were way too cool for their own good, just like immediately like pushed furniture out of the way and the living room became a disco party. It was, it was actually pretty cool. I think there was like one guy back in the corner who was looking at me at the corner of his eye, like, I'm going to beat your ass later. Uh, <laughs> but he didn't. <laughs> I, I don't know why. Um, I probably found someone large to stand next to who I could pretend was my friend and would defend me. Um, that's, by the way, if if you're of small stature and you find yourself in a situation similar to the one I have described, find a very large person who looks frightening and convince them to let you stand near them so that others believe that they will defend you. It works. Anyway, um, Anita Ward, Ring My Bell. The thing about that song is the relentless little digital drum thing that... Boo! It's relentless. It just keep Eight minutes of... Boo! Um, <laughs> reminds me of um, the scene in The Meaning of Life. This is the machine that goes boom! Obscure Monty Python references for $20. This is Joe Public on the public record here at Public Record Headquarters, publicly headquartering. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the music that would embarrass younger me or uh, would be considered a guilty pleasure by folks who embrace that, uh, that kind of narrative. Anyway. I'm going to do more of that. This lady's super talented, um, like extremely talented. And um, yeah, I will broach no criticism because she's, she's. Oh, 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 oh
I was standing in a record shop in uh, Paris. Yeah, I think it was Paris. Um, the first time I heard that song. And and, it, and I'm not talking like some gritty, cool indie record shop. It was like a big... Um, like, I don't know what... Maybe it might have even been a Virgin. Might have been a Virgin Records. Back when Virgin had these the giant like record marts. Um when that the very first time I ever heard Kylie Minogue's uh, "Can't Get You Out of My Head," and actually they played the whole album, and I, I bought it. <laughs> and uh, the friend that I was with at the time was horrified. <laughs> she was like, "What is wrong with you?" And I said, "This is the best disco record I've heard in like decades. Uh, I gotta buy it." And she's like, "Wait." there's a there's good disco and i said there's absolutely good disco um and it reminded me of back when when i was a college dj um our uh music director my freshman year a guy named jim um was not a fan of dance music he basically derisively referred to all different types of dance music as disco and um, we used to taunt him with, with that. It was just, you know, we teased him because it was obvious the reason he didn't like dance music is he couldn't dance. And so he, you know, like he had, by this time, he's like his early 20s. He'd started college late. He's in his early 20s and he is just stick in the mud. I hate disco. And I was always think of him whenever I've, I talk to somebody about my feelings about disco, which is that I utterly and completely love it. Um, and, and I used to hide that fact when I was, when I was in high school, like junior high and high school, I was like pretty secretive about letting anybody in on the fact that I had lots and lots of disco records. And then funnily enough, I was in this like seventies uh, rock tribute band um, that we, as a, lark um played we did like a thin lizzieized version of disco inferno that we worked up and we played this gig uh it was a halloween gig and we were going over like um a fart in an elevator uh like the there were lots of people at the venue but none of them were inside it was kind of a warm night and so they're all in their costumes and they're out on the patio and they're out in front smoking and all this kind of stuff and they're like come in and get a drink and get away from the music as quickly as they could because we're playing like arena rock 70s bombast kind of stuff and we're like 15 20 minutes away from ending our performance and you know ready to get off the stage and our bass player says hey let's do the let's do the uh disco inferno we're like, why not? So we play it, and I kid you not, 100% of the people who were there who were outside on the patio and out in front came charging in, and it suddenly turned into this big like dance party, like middle-aged people having a blast kind of party, and they're buying drinks, and so we extend the song out, we're dragging it out, we're playing like extra verses of it and all this kind of stuff. And we think, all right, we got him in there. And then we go into an actual Thin Lizzy song and they scatter like cockroaches after you turn the light on. <laughs> so we we left and, and like a week later, the bass player is like, you know, we should just bag this whole thing and just do a disco band. 
Um, and so the other guitar player in the band was not down with that. The rest of us sort of tried to put it together. And, and it was funny because I guess like, um, bass player and drummer and singer had talked about this and they weren't sure I was going to be into it because the other guitar player wasn't. And the minute they said disco, I'm like, Oh wait, I have ideas. And I started shooting song ideas at them and they went, "Uh Oh, we've created a monster. Um, and I'm really sad that band never took off. Like we never took flight. It became, we, we got too involved in, uh, details of trying to make it perfect rather than just doing it. Um, and, and so we kind of blew it up before it even got off the ground. Um, but I would have had so much fun with that. So anyway, I don't hate disco. I just had to secret be secret about it. So the song I played before Kylie Minogue's band called Reflex, their total one hit wonder band song called the politics of dancing. And, um, that's, that song is totally disco, even though it's like, you know, it's a, 80s new wave tune but that's a disco song um and lady gaga who is obviously disco she's like euro disco queen of euro disco and um she did bad romance you know i can't i can't hate it i can't hate it it makes me happy it puts a smile on my face i tap my toes that kind of thing that's what goes on here at public record hq with joe public Thank you for tuning in, those of you who have done that. And uh, I'm going to keep playing some music. Um, one of the things that I get totally, like, that that will suck me into a song is, a, like, a fantastic, tight, killer drum track. Like, if the drummer's badass on the song, like, is, is really pushing, um, I kind of will always love the song. And um, I totally don't love this next band, but I love this song because the drums on it are just awesome. The waves keep on crashing on me for some
Speaking of epic drum tracks, okay, I'm gonna own the fact. Abacab is a stupid song. This is it is a absolutely mindless. There's nothing going on there. There's no there there track, and it's it's dumb. It's a dumb song. Absolutely a dumb song. <laughs> but some of the musicianship on there is really really cool and the the thing i love about that song is it's so obvious to me from a couple of things listening to it over the years many many years um it's really obvious that uh the basic track of that song was jammed out amongst uh phil collins mike rutherford and tony banks like that that that's as close to being played live as anything you would have found on a record um, from the early 1980s, um, when studio, you know, studio control, like we've got to isolate everything, we've got to make everything perfect, started to dominate and 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 really take over the recording process, and so that's like the you know one of the last great like jammed out songs ever. So there, meh, <laughs> and yes, it's a really stupid song. The song before that, Hella Good by No Doubt, also really stupid, but whoa, what a just killer rhythm track on there. I, I love it every time. I air drum to it every time I hear it. That's that's the test. That's a test of a great drum track. Joe Public on the public record. Um, yeah, I'm rolling through this stuff, um, and um, I, I ran across this next song, like hadn't heard it in a really, really long time, and then I just said, oh, I got to play this on my show. So here you go. Yeah. 
speak to Cookie Puss, man. No, nobody here by that name. A Cookie or Puss, then. Cookie Chick, anybody, man. I want to speak to them. They're not here. I said, yo, I house you. Where's Cookie Puss at? Yo, I'm serious. I want to talk to, yo, man. Cookie Puss. All right, let me, let me order one, then. Let me get one. What do you want it for? All right, anytime, man. Just like now. Ish, huh? You know? Ish now. I'm talking now, baby. Yeah. 
Kisco Disco song. I was made for loving you. Loving you. Loving. There's no G. Loving. Loving you. Um, so, Eddie Spaghetti, the uh, uh, singer, uh, so- chief songwriter in the Super Suckers, bass player, 
I once saw him in Seattle. He played at this uh, pub up in Seattle. I was up there for work, and and I knew guys in the band and their manager and stuff like that. And so I heard, uh, hey, you should come out. Eddie's doing a solo acoustic thing at this pub. So I go out, and he he played a couple of his own songs, but mostly what he did was, as he described it, he would do covers of songs that originally were awful. Like they were possibly the worst song that that particular artist had ever recorded. So for instance, um, he did egg sucking dog by Johnny cash, which is by far the worst Johnny cash song ever. But when Ed did it, it was cool. He also did an acoustic version of turbo lover by Judas priest by far the worst Judas Priest song, but it came out really cool and it inspired me. And I kept thinking about this, like, cause he had said from the stage, the reason I picked terrible songs or, or these artists worst songs to cover is because there's little chance that I will do it worse than they did. And so anything I do to it will be an improvement. And so years, a couple years go by, a few years go by, and a really good friend of mine, a couple of really good friends of mine are getting married in, in Florida and I fly out for the wedding. Um, and most of their friends were musicians. And so one of the things they'd set up, like they didn't have, this was not a couple who had a lot to spend on their wedding party. Um, so one of the things they did is they, you know, set up a PA and some microphones and, and let their friends get up and serenade them, play them songs. Um, and, um, I grabbed a guitar and I went up on stage and I did a, an acoustic version of, I was the made for loving you. And, and it was epic and I will never sing that in public again, but it was great. And it made the bride smile. It made the groom smile. People got up and sang along and it was kind of fun. And I went, you know, Ed, you were absolutely right. I could not have made that worse. So ta-da but that said that is my favorite kiss song these days yeah and out in the universe i just heard the screams of a thousand former kiss army members there was a disturbance in the force um before that incongruously enough pitbull with and neo with time of our lives um if you hang around me long enough and, and somebody brings up the subject of like contemporary popular music uh, and all the stuff they hate, because that's what hipsters do, right? All the stuff they hate is what they list. Um, inevitably, somebody will say something about, oh, you know, modern, like contemporary hip hop and dance music is terrible. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I kind of love Pitbull. And uh, gasps of horror will come from everybody in attendance at this. And I'm like, no, seriously, I love Pitbull. I, I, I have almost every one of his singles. Like I own them. I've bought them. Um, cause I just, he's cool. He's just cool. I mean, he's, he is to like pop dance club, hip hop. Um, what, um, I don't know where I was going with that. Um, He's like macaroni and cheese, right? You know, even when it's, it's gross, but it's actually pretty good. I mean, it's too brightly colored and artificial, but if somebody puts it in front of you, you're probably going to eat it. Just saying. 
Just saying. Um, and uh, before that, LMFAO with Party Rock Anthem. And I started off with Beastie Boys and Cookie Puss, which is... There's another one of those things of like it's the worst track in the whole catalog of the Beastie Boys, and I I I relentlessly and totally love it. So there you go. So the other thing that I that I love here's another thing I'm guilty of doing is like being totally swept away by whatever is going on in advertising trends, right? Music and advertising always gets my attention. Like people pick certain pop songs to use and things like that. It always gets my attention. The 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 US Army ad that uses the like techno version of 25 or 624 blows my mind cuz that is the druggiest drug song of all druggy drug songs. And the fact that it's being used to sell people on joining the army just like I my brain broke when I saw that and it still kind of breaks anytime I see, see that ad come on. But there's this like insurance ad. There's a bunch of ad campaign that like, I think it's a Geico ad probably that you see. This is the problem with really clever advertising is that it's, it can be so clever that I have no idea what product you're selling by the end of it. Um, I know it was an insurance company. I'm not sure which one. And they have this ad campaign where like these people have a house, but they have a problem. And in this one house, they have a rat problem, which is made all the more hilarious by the fact that the rat problem they have is with this band. <laughs>
song uh a dear departed friend of mine introduced me to that song and the album it's on hollywood uh on tour guy i used to play in a band with and i love that record it's a great record um say what you will about mr uh the, the nomda rock of Nor- marilyn manson but that that's a great record like start to front and that's my favorite song on there so there so there you go. Uh, before that, Motley Crue with Saints of Los Angeles. Um, they came out of retirement. They made a record. It's a pretty darn good record. And I heard that song and I went, whoa. Where where did these guys come from? Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. And Rat with You're in Love, which is a great song unless you have a rat problem in your house, like on that insurance commercial. <laughs> the insurance company i can't even remember what insurance company it is so there you go there you actually go (sighs) well um as i usually do i am not going to continue prattling on at the end of this i'm going to play some more music for you um i didn't want to give you an intro on this so this next song is by a, a gentleman who has a very very sordid history in the music business um there are a couple of records uh, he recorded um, at one point 
that are so despicably awful, uh, no one would release them. And and you used to you could get uh, get them on cassette by ordering them from him. He had like an ad in the back of Rolling Stone or something like that. Um, I don't recommend that you hunt for these forbidden David Allen Co. records. Um, you know, sometimes sometimes people just they're just weird and wrong. Um, but then sometimes they write a song like this one, which um, is genuinely the perfect country and western song. And uh, it's, I'm going to go out on a couple perfect country and western songs for you on the public record. And I will see you next week. Uh, be safe, be well, and uh, yeah, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Well, it was all that I could do keep from crying Sometimes it seems so useless to remain But you don't have to call me darling Darling You never even call me by my You don't have to call me Waylon Jennings And you don't have to call me Charlie Price And you don't have to call me Merle Haggard anymore Even though you're on my fighting side And I'll hang around As long as you will let me And I never minded standing in the rain But you don't have to call name a few times in your phone book and I've seen it all signs where I played but the only time I know I'll hear David Allen Well, a friend of mine named Steve Goodman wrote that song, 
And he told me it was the perfect country and western song. I wrote him back a letter and I told him it was not the perfect country and western song because he hadn't said anything at all about mama or trains or trucks or prisons or getting drunk. Well, he sat down and wrote another verse to the song and he sent it to me and after reading it, I realized that my friend had written the perfect country and western song and I felt obliged to include it on this album. The last verse goes like this here. Well, I was drunk the day my mom got out of prison and I went Pick her up in the rain But before I could get to the station in the pickup truck She got run over by a damned old train But when you pulled out 
Yeah.